0: Take your Bibles and turn with me to John chapter 13. Uh, This morning, we're going to begin John chapter 13, and we're looking at, we're on the eve of a holiday coming up this week. Anybody know what that holiday is? (laughs) Charlie don't know. He says he never, he don't, uh, it's it's Valentine's Day, all right, coming up, all right, see, that's why Charlie didn't remember it. He don't have a Valentine. There you go. All right, so I've got a question for you. When you ask someone to be your valentine, what does does it usually entail? How do you go about that? Don't you usually have a gift or some token of your love for them or something of that nature? Don't you usually ask that question when you are presenting your supposed valentine with something? All right? Bridget used to like chocolate, now, she, she still likes chocolate, just not as much as she used to, um, so, okay, <laughs> but doesn't it usually, I mean, whenever you're asking someone to be your valentine, I remember being in school and us writing the little valentine cards, you know, you get those and giving out the little uh, can't heart candies with be mine and all that kind of stuff, and And you know, when you got one of those little boxes, if you had a sweetheart that you were kind of a little sweet on, you'd look for a particular uh, heart there to present to her, that sort of thing. What we're talking about this morning is the author of love, and as we look at the author of love, what we're going to see is love is an action, Uh, specifically in this passage of Scripture, love in action. So whenever you're presenting your loved one with a valentine, whatever that valentine might be, you are actually, um, you are acting out your love for that person or your care concern for that person. Love in action this morning. We're going to read the first 20 verses of of chapter 13, and we're going to get the the episode, if you will, of Jesus washing, washing the disciples' feet. Verse 1 Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And supper being ended, the devil having already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father, had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from supper and laid aside his garment, took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. Then he came to Simon Peter and Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing? Washing my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, What I am doing now you do not understand, but you will know after this. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, He who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. For he knew who would betray him. Therefore he said, You are not all clean. So when he had washed their feet, taken his garments, and sat down again, he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say well, for so I am. If you do them, I do not speak concerning all of you. I know whom I have chosen, but that the scripture may be fulfilled. He who eats bread with me has lifted up his heel against me. Now I tell you before it comes that when it does come to pass, you may believe that I am he. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who receives whomever I send receives me. And he who receives me receives him who sent me. This morning, love in action. Let's pray together, please. Father, we do bow before you and we, we long to be with you. Thank you for this time where we gather together with brothers and sisters in Christ and, and seek your will in your way, worshiping you and praising you. Thank you for this, this day of worship that you've given us. Help us not to turn away from you, Father. Help us to hear you. Help us to follow you. Help us to do everything it is that you desire of us. As we completely commit our way to you, God, we we ask for you to speak to us today and give us the wherewithal, the knowledge, the wisdom to follow you completely. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So love in action this morning. Now, as we begin, uh, if you got one of the sermon outlines, you probably realize there's a lot of blanks on it, right? There's usually only about three, but I decided to go ahead and and do the whole outline with blanks this morning so that, uh, because each one of these things that we're going to talk about is, is very important, the first three verses are about what Jesus knew, what he knew. Look at what it says in verse 1. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that His hour had come, that He should depart from this world to the Father. You see, the first thing that He knew about was that it was His time. He understood by the Father's will that it was time for Him to be sacrificed for our sins. Go to the cross to die for us and then on the third day be resurrected and go back to the Father 40 days after. You see, He knew that it was that time. Understand the knowledge of Almighty God. You see, God knows everything. Jesus, God the Son, knows everything. Even while He was here on earth, you see, He was fully man, fully God. He knew what was going to happen. That allowed him to be able to tell his disciples what was going to happen ahead of time. And the more we dig into the Scriptures, the more we read the words of the Lord Jesus, the more we realize that he had this all along. He knew exactly what was happening, what was going on, and he knew step by step where he was supposed to be in God's will for him. And he accomplished it perfectly. He knew exactly what was going on. And he knew that this was his last Passover with his disciples. He told them about that. He knew that his time had come. And the scripture says, Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And supper being ended, the devil having already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Jesus also knew his betrayer. Jesus knew from the very beginning when He met Judas, He knew what Judas was going to do, and yet He still called him to be one of His disciples. He called him knowing how it was going to end. He called him knowing that he would be the one to carry the money bag, that he would be the one to take money from the the priests, the the Pharisees, and he would be the one to betray Jesus in the garden leading to Jesus's beating his arrest his beating his crucifixion his death and Jesus still loved him enough to call him and give him the opportunity to say no to evil you see so many people there's so many people out there that that think that Jesus will not give them a chance or that god uh, they have gone too far away from god's love for for God to forgive them. That's not so. Even Judas had the opportunity to turn to God. Jesus knew that it was His time. He knew about His betrayer. Look at verse 11. For He knew who would betray Him. Therefore He says, "Not or, you are not all clean. Speaking to His disciples and Judas in their presence, He says, not every one of you is saved. Not every one of you is a true believer. Not every one of you is on my team. Child of God. Then verse 18. I do not speak concerning all of you. I know whom I have chosen. But that the scripture may be fulfilled. He who eats bread with me has lifted up his heel against me. You see, it was foretold. It was foretold by the prophets that Jesus would be betrayed by one of his followers that ate with him regularly. Jesus knew who it was. Jesus knew it was going to happen. And he still loved Judas enough to give him the opportunity to repent and turn to him. And by the way, there's no God Himself is love. God will never stop loving you. Never stop loving you. But, unless you return His love, He will love you while you are separated from Him for all eternity. He loves you enough to allow you the choice to choose Him, just like He did Judas. And if you choose Him, then He allows you to become an heir of the kingdom, a son of God. You begin to to be a part of His kingdom, to rule and reign with the Lord Jesus Christ. But if not, He honors your choice and still loves you. So Jesus knew that it was His time. He knew His betrayer, and also He knew, verse 3, His position or who he was. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God. Jesus knew who he was, he knew what his mission was, he knew what he was supposed to accomplish, he knew all of those things, and he followed God completely, perfectly the whole way. That's what makes this so amazing. King of the universe, the very Son of God, the one who created all that we see and us, came to serve us. You know what Jesus said. He said, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve the first time. Now the next time He comes, it's going to be a different story. The first time He came as a servant, the next time He comes as Lord of all, and it will be us who serves. But the first time He came, He came to serve. He came to bring us into the presence of Almighty God by His blood that He was shed on the cross so that we could have redemption of sins. He knew what His passion was. He knew what His position was. He knew what it was that He was supposed to accomplish, and He did it completely, perfectly, in the will of the Father. So He knew. His time, His betrayer, and His position. And then, look in verse 4 through verse 11. These are the things that He did, what Jesus did. Look at this. He rose from supper and laid aside His garments, took a towel, and girded Himself. Jesus prepared Himself for what He was about to do. Now, I'm not sure exactly what kind of garments they had at that time. I know they usually had an outer cloak, they usually had an inner robe, and then they had their undergarments, and I don't know exactly what that looked like, so I'm not going to go there. But the Scripture says that he removed his clothing and then wrapped himself with a towel. He got ready to serve. Because, you see, a servant at that time... They had to do the menial tasks, of course. And the lowest of low servants were the one that had to wash the feet of all the people. So here's the king of the universe. Here's the Lord who knew he was Lord. And he still took off his garments and made himself ready to serve his disciples. He prepared himself. And then, verse 5, after that he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a the towel with which he was girded. <laughs> Can you see it? Can you see the king stepping down from the throne to pick up the beggar that's in the gutter of the street and wash his feet? Can can you see the majesty of that? How Jesus, His love, was put into action for His disciples. How amazing. He prepared Himself, but then He humbled Himself to serve. Nobody wanted to wash anybody else's feet. That's why it was given to the lowest of the low slaves. And there they all were. They had gone all the way through supper. They had gone through everything that they had already, and nobody had washed their feet. And then Jesus, the Master, the Lord, the King, said, I'll do it. He prepared himself, and he humbled himself. And he started washing their feet. Now, of course, Peter is kind of the spokesperson here. And he says, hey, wait a minute. You're the king. You're not supposed to be washing my feet. Now, follow my my thinking here. But but Jesus, uh, no, I'm not going to say Jesus. This is my thinking. Why didn't Peter volunteer to wash everybody else's feet? He says, Jesus, you are the master. You're not supposed to wash my feet. But he's thinking to himself, I'm one of the higher-ups in this group, and I shouldn't be washing everybody else's feet, too, or either. So who should have been? And that's where Jesus kind of struck a chord with him. He says, oh, Jesus, you're not supposed to wash my feet. And he says, you don't understand what's going on right now, but you will one day. You will before long. You'll understand. And Peter says, Mm-mm, you're not ever going to wash my feet. And Jesus says, if I don't wash your feet, then you're, you're not part of this group. You're not part of my kingdom. And then, of course, Peter, going all the way again, says, wash all of me. And Jesus says, you're already clean. I just need to wash your feet. So you see, first of all, Jesus prepared himself, and then he humbled himself. And then he cleansed them. You hear what he pronounced over them? He says, everybody that's been washed is clean. Hey, your sins have been removed as far as the east is from the west. And sometimes we get bogged down. If you've accepted Christ as Lord and Savior, if you've asked his forgiveness of sins, all those sins are gone. He doesn't remember them anymore. And we get bobbed down in what we've done in our past and those kinds of things. And we feel like we're not able to be, we can't serve because of those things. And Jesus says, what things? They're forgiven. They're under the blood. They're gone. Jesus humbled himself and cleansed them. Look with me at verse 10. He was bathed, needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. Now go back up to verse 8. If I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Now of course, Jesus was speaking to Peter about washing his feet. But apply it this way. If he doesn't wash you, then you have no part in him. If you don't accept His sacrifice, if you don't accept His cleansing, if you don't ask Him to forgive you, then you have no part with Him. There is no grandfathering in in Christianity. There's no salvation from mom and dad's faith. It's you and you alone that will stand before God and answer for you. And Jesus says clearly here, if you don't accept what's given to you, if you don't accept what I've done for you, then you're on your own. You have no part in me, and I have no part in you. As a matter of fact, the Scripture says, He will say at that point, uh, whenever He comes again, whenever that person stands before the Lord Jesus Christ, Depart from me, for I never knew you. Are you willing to take that risk? Are you willing to, to like Peter, say, No, you, you're not going to wash my feet. Or, no, Jesus, I don't need your forgiveness of sins. I'm good on my own. You see, what Jesus will say is, you have no part with me. I remember the the parable that Jesus spoke about the the ten virgins. There were five that were ready to go with the bridegroom into the the wedding feast, and there were five who were not ready. And they went back and tried to make ready, and then they came and knocked on the door, and they said, look, let us in. It's us. And he said, I don't know you. If I had known you, you'd have been in here with us. You see, Jesus gives you the opportunity. He gives you the chance to accept him as Lord and Savior. But he's not going to forcefully wash your feet. He's going to ask for permission to do it. You let him in. Then he cleanses you completely. You ask Him to forgive you. You accept His sacrifice, and then He comes in and takes everything away. All the sin, all the unrighteousness, all the unholiness. He removes all of those things, and He casts them away from you as far as the east is from the west. And then He looks at you, redeemed, holy, perfect, righteous, in the sight of Almighty God, and says, that's my child. That's an heir of the kingdom. He's a citizen of heaven. She belongs in glory. He cleansed them. We've looked at what Jesus knew. We've looked at what He did. And now we're going to look at what He taught. He goes on to explain His actions in verse 12 and the following. So when He had washed their feet, taken His garments, and sat down again, He said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? Now just imagine there for just a moment. You're sitting in this this upper room with the Lord Jesus and you've gone through the Passover festival, the the feast, the, the meal that you were supposed to go through and you followed all the directions completely. And then Jesus has passed the cup again and he passed the bread again and said, this is my body broken for you. This is my blood that's poured out for you. And I'll never do this again until we get into the kingdom of heaven. And then he starts, he gets up and he washes your feet. And then he sits back down and says, let me tell you why I did it. Let me show you the purpose of this. And he goes on and says this. If I then, I'm sorry, verse 13, you call me teacher and Lord. And you say well, for so I am. The first thing that Jesus goes and establishes, He says, He is Lord. He says, You call me Master Lord. You call me Teacher and Lord. And He says, And you're right, I am. Now they knew that. They knew that He had claimed to be the Messiah. Not claimed to be, but was, and proven to them that He was the Messiah. And He says to them again, I am. So He lets them know, He's Lord. And the Lord of all had just washed their feet. They were still damp. He says, you call me Lord and you're right. And by the way, he wants you to call him Lord also. See, what we've been studying in our marriage Bible study on Saturday nights is that We're in a covenant with God, and our marriage has a purpose, a a God purpose. And that if we're not in that covenant, then we don't belong to Him. Same thing with our salvation. If we're not in a covenant with God, then we don't have salvation. The covenant is simply this. We accept God as who He is and what He's done for us, and we belong to Him. That's the terms of the covenant. We don't rule ourselves. We don't make up our own rules. It's one of the things that we said last night. We don't make up our own rules for salvation. God has made the rule, and if we don't accept that, then we don't have salvation. And the first thing is that Jesus is Lord, Master, Commander, King. If He's not Lord of your life, then He's not your Savior. Because he's not going to be your Savior unless he is Lord. And what that means is, you say, Jesus, I'm yours. I want to follow you. I want to serve you. If I do things my way, I'm going to mess it up. Matter of fact, I have already done that. I've sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. But you, God, have demonstrated your love for me and that while I was still a sinner, Christ died for me. And then, accept Christ as Lord, Savior, and say, I'm yours. He is Lord. In the next part, in verse 14 through 16, he says this, If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, Jesus says, you are the servants. I'm the master, you are the servants. Who are we? We are His slaves. If you go back and and really uh, interpret that word servants, if you reinterpret it because it was kind of softened up back in the years when there was slavery and nobody liked the word slavery, we still don't like it, but what that word actually means is that we are God's slaves. Owned. By him, property of him, commanded by him, and should be completely obedient to him. First of all, he said that he is Lord and that we are his servants. And the next thing that he makes sure that we understand is that we are blessed through obedience. He said, if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Here's what he said, hey, you saw what I have just done. I sat aside myself, I sat aside my authority, I know who I am, but I put that aside and I served you. I did what was necessary, what needed to be done, what nobody else was willing to do. I did that, and now I want you to understand that you're supposed to do the same thing to one another. Serve your brothers and sisters. If nobody's willing to do it, step up and say, here I am. God, send me. Allow me to serve there. I hate cleaning toilets. That came out of nowhere, didn't it? I hate it. I hate it. But if it needs to be done, it needs to be done. Now, I may put gloves on. I may put a mask on. I may look like a hazmat suit. But I get in there and, and do it if I have to, if 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 it needs to be done, and I know that the Lord's saying, All right, it's your turn. Or Bridget says it, you know, the Lord or Bridget, one of the two. I shouldn't I'm sorry. But my point is, whatever needs to be done, we're here to do it. We are his servants. And sometimes we want to argue with God like Moses. Hey, wait a minute, I'm not the one to do that. And God says, oh yeah, I called you for this. It's your job. Who are we to argue with God? We are His servants and we are blessed through obedience. Have you ever been blessed because you cleaned the toilet? You could be. If God commanded you to clean the toilet and you followed Him in obedience, you're going to be blessed because you cleaned the toilet. Maybe a $100 bill behind it. I'm just saying. Don't look for it here because I've already checked. Just kidding. Here's, Here's the thing. Our obedience leads to the blessings of God. And we wonder why everything's all messed up in our life. And if we're not doing it according to God's rules, guess who messed it up? Us. When we follow God, when we do it His way, when we are obedient... His blessings follow that obedience. Now, it's not going to be perfect because we're never satisfied. We think it's got to be better all the time. But according to God's will and His way, He will lead us into blessings. Jesus taught that He is Lord. Jesus taught that we are His servants. Jesus taught that we are blessed through obedience to Him. Now, getting back to love and action. Jesus set aside his authority and served. We have no authority, none, because we're servants, we're slaves. Our only mission, our only duty, our only calling is to be obedient. And listen. In the previous chapter, John chapter 12, verse 26, it says, If anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. Let me stop right there because this is what the Lord showed me right there. I had always thought, well, yes, I'll be where the Lord is, and he's calling me to glory, and I'll be with Jesus in heaven. But listen, he's also meaning that wherever I'm working, you'll be there working also. Wherever I am serving, you'll be there serving also. Because when you follow the Lord Jesus Christ, He leads you into service just like He did. Taking His robes off, preparing Himself and humbling Himself to do what needs to be done. And that's where we join Him. Now, and one day in glory. And He closes it out. If anyone serves me, Him, my Father, Will honor. You see, that's the obedience blessings part. When you obey God, God honors you. The God of love, the God who is love, came to serve you with the salvation, the only salvation. Without you being obedient, you can't have it. He has a rule of law. And that rule is, deny yourself, take up your cross, follow Jesus. Commit your way completely to Him. You know, you've heard it before. Have you submitted yourself to God? To His love? Because, Believe it or not, He loves you and wants the best for you. And it's not like, well, if I, if I commit my way to God, then I'm not going to be able to do all these old things that I usually do. Guess what? God will direct you to doing the things that He wants you to do that will be much more important to you than those old things and much better for you because obedience leads to blessings. Obedience leads to being with God. Where are you? Are you outside of the love, the love of Almighty God? Or do you love Him back and want to serve Him? This morning, the opportunity for salvation is simply here. And simply this, you come down and say, look, I'm tired of doing it myself because I've messed it up. I trust Jesus to do it for me. I need Jesus. And when you say that, he does exactly that. He saves. Praise God. Will you do that this morning? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our King, our Lord, thank you for the gift of salvation. Thank you for the opportunity at obedience Thank you for the blessings of serving. This morning, Father, in this place, I ask for your Holy Spirit to move in the life of that person or persons here who need to devote themselves to you, asking for your forgiveness and giving themselves to you. Father, you know who they are. You've already spoken to them. You've already told them in, in their heart that it's them that's been that you've been uh, preparing this message for. So, Lord, right now, I ask that you prepare them to come forward and say, I need Jesus. This is your time. This is your invitation. You accomplish in it what you desire, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.